Welcome back to the Teacher's Cup of Coffee. Great to be here. We're going to jump right back into the theme we started addressing in our last episode, which is rediscovering the passion. How do we get that passion back in schools? How do we get out of this COVID rut, out of this craziness, and back to loving what we do? It's such a hard thing. It is not easy right now in schools. I'm sure all of you know that. We're going to stick with the same sort of theme, which again is engagement. We need to get students engaged. When kids are engaged in what they're doing in school, everything else falls into place. And engagement starts with us as educators. There are all sorts of different strategies and techniques and moves we can make to help students be engaged. And again, once they're engaged, our lessons will go well. And once our lessons are going well, we will rediscover our passion for education and teaching and supporting and counseling and leadership and all of the above. You know, I work at a middle school and a couple months ago, the students in my middle school took a survey and they sort of rated the school on all these different components. And you know, when it came to their ratings of support for students and their ratings of building a community and their ratings of like how discipline is handled and all those different things, all of those were rated 85, 90, 95% positive. They were all really high. You know, so yes, we're focusing a lot on social emotional support and building relationships and all those things. And they're all very important and they're needed in this moment. I'm not saying engagement is instead of those things. They're all interconnected, of course. But with my school and with this survey, one of the groups of questions was around engagement in classes and how students are engaged in class. And the positive responses to that hovered around 50%. So that was a much different score than a lot of the other things got. And that was just more affirmation to me that if we want to bring kids back, you know, how many of us right now are saying kids don't know how to be students, kids don't know how to be social, school is just not what it used to be pre-COVID, you know, that is all probably true. But if we want to bring kids back, we need to get them engaged. It's why we're focusing on engagement on these podcasts right now. And I know this is not unique to my school. This is how students and teachers are feeling all across America, all across America, frankly. So we need to re-engage students in our lesson. When they're engaged in their learning, everything else will be fine. Everything else will fall into place. So To talk about this today, we're going to use an article called The Code for Student Engagement. It was written by Chad Prather in the December and January of this year, Educational Leadership Magazine. Absolutely great article. The the author, Mr. Mr. Prather, rather, Mr. Prather, talks about a student in his sophomore history class. He refers to the student as Eric. And Eric wouldn't do any work and he came across as non-compliant frankly it went past apathy into compliance and the author talks about you know he he was really worried about sort of making as he says making eric bend 
He wanted to make sure that Eric started to comply. He didn't like that he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do in the classroom. So he really focused on getting him to comply. And what he didn't focus on as a teacher was worrying about truly understanding Eric, truly finding out why this is happening. He just was all about compliance. And this happens to all of us in schools. You know, we just get hell-bent on making sure kids comply, and we forget that there's some really deep reasons why they're not complying. So the teacher was moving into a, a unit on Malcolm X, which he thought would be, you know, sort of low-hanging fruit in terms of student engagement. And he started the unit with an activator that said, list up to five facts or ideas you already know about Malcolm X, and also write three questions you want answered about the man. So, pretty straightforward, right? Got to list some things you know about Malcolm X. A lot of students have probably heard about him. And then you got to list some questions you want to learn about him. But it didn't work. It flopped. The students were not into it. And especially students like Eric didn't even get anywhere near into it. And as the author reflected, he realized, you know, right off the jump, my activator, when I was activating prior knowledge, implied that kids should know something. So if a kid didn't know anything about Malcolm X, they immediately felt sort of stupid or sort of like, oh, I already don't know what's going on. And right now we're just starting the first activator of a unit. So this really got him thinking about engagement and how do we engage students in deep learning? And he came up with what he calls the engagement equation. I love this. I love when you can break things down to simple terms. And so he said, for engagement, two conditions must exist. First, success must be reachable. Second, the incentive attached to engagement is worthwhile. So I think it's even better when he says it like this. Successibility times worthwhile ability equals high engagement. So if students feel they can be successful in their learning, and if they feel like their learning is worthwhile, then you will get high engagement. Successibility times worthwhile ability equals high engagement. So if you go back to the original prompt about list five things you knew about Malcolm X and three questions, you know, he would argue that successibility and worthwhile ability were low. Who cares? Who cares what I know about Malcolm X? There's no reason in this moment that I'm supposed to be really excited about that, unless I'm just like that kind of person who loves history. But it's always easy to get those kind of kids engaged. It's we're trying to get everyone engaged. That's the challenge. So Eric shut down and the teacher realized now it's because successibility and worthwhile ability were both low with his opening prompt into this unit. Eric didn't know about Malcolm X and he didn't care to know about Malcolm X. Oh, for two. He didn't know about him and he didn't care to know about him. So the author talks a lot about how teachers, including the author, including me, often defer to this um, sort of like, this will help you later, kids. You got to learn this because this will help you later. This is going to help you later. This is going to help you on the standardized test. This is going to help you when you get to the next level of schooling. This will help you later. And that, that just doesn't really work because most kids are completely present oriented. They care about what's going on right now and in their lives that's what their lives are be it trauma be it instagram be it gossip and drama be it sleep be it sports be it netflix all of those things are present oriented they are based in the present 
moment. Instagram is now. Gossip is now. Sports, sleep, Netflix, they are now. And that's where kids live in the now. And in the classroom, we're competing with all these things. So when we introduce a unit on Malcolm X, we're, we're trying to get attention away from Instagram. We're trying to get attention away from Netflix. We're trying to get attention away from Snapchat and on to Malcolm X. But if we don't show some, some worthwhile ability when it comes to Malcolm X, then we're not going to be able to get that attention away. We're not going to be able to get that engagement. You know, we might get kids, especially the kids that care about their grades, to still do the work. But that's not the same as high engagement. And that's never going to get the kids who don't have just intrinsic caring about grades, which are the ones we're really paid to work with the ones that we're really challenged to work with. So we need to make sure that our lessons are present-minded so they can compete with all these other things. So this author goes on to talk about that night after his lesson flopped, he was watching a sh uh, an episode of The Wire. I'm sure a lot of you have seen The Wire. Many, many think it's the best television show of all time, as do I. And it was the episode where Omar has his famous quote, a man's got to have a code. A man's got to have a code. If you've never seen The Wire, it's just a great scene where Omar is talking to the police and he says that. And so the teacher loved that. And the next day, what the teacher did was show that scene to the class. A man's got to have a code. And then the teacher gave the class this prompt. What's your code? You have seven minutes to write prose or poetry or draw. You won't have to share, and I won't read anything without your invitation. You can listen to music if you have earbuds and you pick your song quickly. Work quickly. Get started. What is your code? Man, students, according to the author, the, the engagement was through the roof. They had seen this short scene, seen someone talking about their own code, using the, the, the question, what's your code? A man's got to have a code. And then they wrote their own code. They wrote what they believe in, what makes them tick. And then the teacher, after they were done and some shared and all that, the teacher then connected the idea of code to Malcolm X and said, we're going to start to learn about Malcolm X's code. And I want you to look at where do you have a similar code to Malcolm X and where is your code different? And what would Malcolm X think about your code? So instead of just asking the students what they think about Malcolm X, they're going to actually analyze what Malcolm X would say about their code. And all of a sudden, the, the lesson had so much successibility. Students knew that they were thinking about their own code, and they, they could easily learn about something else while connecting it to their own code. And it had worthwhile ability because they wanted to see how their code was or wasn't like Malcolm X. So successibility and worthwhile ability escalated. And engagement, according to this teacher, went through the roof on this unit now. At the end of the unit, the final project was an essay. It was all about codes and connecting your own to Malcolm X. It was the, going back to Eric, the non-compliant student. It was the first essay that Eric wrote all year. Now, the, 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 the author is realistic. Eric didn't get an A. Okay? It wasn't perfect. Eric barely passed. But you know what? He wrote the essay. And that's okay. That is a start. And within the essay, the author learned a ton about Eric. And that was important as well. So three big takeaways from the author about how he changed up this lesson and this unit and how much it impacted engagement. Number one, he always thought about 
he always was thinking about prior knowledge on the content. We always think about what are the students' prior knowledge on the content. But remember, some students have no prior knowledge on the content. So if they fail in that first step, it's they're not going to attach to the learning. All right. So instead of always thinking about prior knowledge on the content, this teacher recommends thinking about knowledge prior to the content. And so instead of saying, list some things you know about Malcolm X, that would be prior knowledge on the content. The teacher had them write about their own code. That's knowledge they have prior to the content. I thought that was such an interesting way to do it. How can we use something they know or feel to engage them with the upcoming content? Such a good way to think about it. Number two, when the author read Eric's essay, he learned a lot about Eric, including just how much Eric valued loyalty and how little he felt loyalty in his own life. And that was so insightful that the teacher could use this to engage Eric the rest of the year. The teacher then showed Eric at all chances that he got that he was loyal to Eric, loyal to Eric. And that helped keep Eric engaged the rest of the year. And number three, we always need to think about worthwhile ability and successibility, right? We need the learning to be worthwhile to kids and we need it to be doable for kids. They can feel success. And if those two things happen, they will be engaged. So one way to think about this is, are, are our essential questions meaningful to students? Good, I love this, good essential questions are, quote, personally worthwhile and broadly applicable. Personally worthwhile and broadly applicable. Look at our learning objectives. Look at our essential questions. Look at how we lead our lessons. Does it, is it personally worthwhile? It's such a good question to ask if we want to engage students. We need our essential questions to form a bridge between the familiar and the strange. So we can't write essential questions just about the strange. Do you know, the essential question for the Malcolm X unit couldn't just be about Malcolm X. The essential question had to be, what is your code and how does it relate to Malcolm X's code? So powerful, so powerful if we think that way. So what is your code as a teacher? What are you going to focus on as a leader, as a, as a counselor, whatever you do in schools? Think about your code. How are you going to make sure that your lessons engage students and that they also feel like they can succeed? Our author found his answer by watching The Wire. But there are so many other places to find ideas that bridge the gap and make learning feel present and worthwhile to students. We need to make learning worthwhile from the kid's perspective. Look at your agenda board. If you were a kid, would that be worthwhile? If not, we got to change it up. we got to make it worthwhile to kids. Make it connected to their present times, not just to their future, not just to our past, but to kids' present day. How can we connect to their present day? And make it clear that they can succeed. Don't set them up for failure. That will only disengage them. Make it clear that they can succeed. Do all this, successibility and worthwhile ability, and you will have engaged students. And guess what? If they're engaged, it will bring them back. They will be 
back and they will be happy to be in school. And once we engage kids, it'll be fun to work again as adults. We need schools right now that are having fun with each other. And it's hard because there's so many challenges. But if we can engage kids through successibility and worthwhile ability, we will have fun as adults. We will feel better and schools will be motivational and inspirational places to work. Successibility and worthwhile ability. What is your code? I hope this helped you think about it. I hope it helps you engage students in your lessons. Keep working hard. And thank you for joining us here on the Teacher's Cup of Coffee. Oh, wake up, everybody.